The scripture lesson today is from the book of Deuteronomy in the Hebrew scriptures, chapter 13, verses 19 to 20. Hear these words today. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and you obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Good morning again. Today is our last Sunday in our worship series, Fake News. That's not in the Bible. Over the last three weeks, we have looked at phrases that we often hear and say as Christians, phrases that sound like they're from the Bible, and so we assume that they're true. So like fake news, then we share them without confirming whether they are from the reliable source of Scripture. In this series, we have paused to ask the question, does Scripture say what we actually think it does? First, we looked at God won't give you more than you can handle. Then God needed another angel in heaven. And last week was God helps those who help themselves. We've learned that each of these phrases have a level of truth to them, but often the way that they are intended or the way that they are lived out is not actually scripturally based. If you missed a week and, and you're interested, no worries. All of the sermons are on the website and you can, you can access them there, so go take a listen. And if you want to take a deeper look into these, these um, issues of fake news, then I invite you to pick up Adam Hamilton's book, Half Truths. Our final phrase in this series is, everything happens for a reason. Let's pray. Creator God, calm our minds and open our ears so that we may hear your voice speaking to us this morning. Open our hearts so that we may receive the message that you have for us today. May your spirit empower us to live in light of your gospel message, declaring its truth with our words and embodying this truth through our actions. Amen. Everything happens for a reason. I can't tell you the number of times that someone has said this to me, or more often that people have said this after they have shared with me a, a struggle that they were going through, or something that was happening to them, and they, they ended with a sigh and a, well, everything happens for a reason as if to say there must be a reason that this happened, hoping that what they have just experienced wasn't for nothing. 
Like most of these fake news pieces that we share, they're done so as a way to understand something that we don't understand or control something that seems to be a mystery to us. And yes, in that respect, we, we know that we live in a world of cause and effect. So everything does happen for a reason. Our actions create consequences. Our choices generate outcomes. But also, like the other fake news bites, we need to be mindful of how else these statements might be understood. What do people hear when we say everything happens for a reason? Well, it could be taken to mean that God has a reason for bringing about, or at least allowing, this situation to happen in which people suffer. Since God is in control of everything, then whatever happens reflects the will and the purpose of God. And that, that sounds good. That, that makes sense until we consider a circumstance of suffering, especially where someone dies. What about last week's shooting in California, where a six-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 25-year-old died at a garlic festival at the hands of someone who said he did it because he was really angry? Or what about the shooting yesterday in El Paso, where at least 20 people died by a gunman at Walmart? Or, Or the shooting last night, not even 12 hours later after the El Paso shooting, the shooting in Dayton occurred. Did God cause these events to happen for some greater reason? I said a few weeks ago, and it bears repeating again, God does not cause death. Scripture shows us over and over and over again that God is the author of life. And this is one of the greatest challenges of the Christian faith. If our God that we worship is an all-loving and all-knowing God, then why do these bad things happen? The answer comes down to the way that we understand how God works in the world. What's understood is God's providence and, and God's divine sovereignty. Providence is a fancy word that simply means that God governs and and oversees the entire cosmos, including our world and everything in it. And God has this divine sovereignty, we believe, meaning that we believe that God's authority encompasses all of creation. Our Jewish and brothers like to say that God is the king of the universe. However, these concepts of providence and divine sovereignty can be understood in very, very different ways. Some Christians see God as a micromanager involved with every little detail of our day-to-day goings-on. Others believe that God follows a hands-off approach, creating the world and and then stepping away to let it run itself. One way completely ignores humanity's free will because God does every little thing in our lives. And then the other way sees God as this, as absent and aloof. Like many things, though, I think that the truth lies in a middle way. God's knowledge of something and, and is different from God commanding that that event 
happens. The overarching message of the Bible doesn't make God a micromanager directing everything to God's will. Instead, God is more like a parent who invites her children to make their own choices, even knowing that they will sometimes make the wrong ones. This is the concept of free will. God has given humanity the choice. First, God has given us the choice to believe in God and to follow God. That's not something that is commanded to us. We have a choice whether we believe. And then God has given us the free will to choose whether to choose those things that, that create wholeness and, and connectedness with God or to choose those things that create brokenness and, and separation from God. The Bible is riddled with story after story of humans misusing their freedom and turning away from God. And then the rest of the Bible is all about God, God's work to clean up the mess and to say, okay, let's try this again. Come to me. And then humans making the choice. The first example we see of this is of Adam and Eve in the garden. And then we see it very clearly again in today's scripture passage that Kathy read for us. Through Moses, here in Deuteronomy, God has led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And as they prepare to enter the promised land, Moses, who by this time is an old man, has just recited again the Ten Commandments and the rest of the laws. It's not the first time that the Israelites have heard these things, but in this sermon to them, Moses reminds them one more time before he goes what God expects of God's people. And Moses, he begs the Israelites, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him and committing yourself firmly to God. This is the key to your life. And if you love and you obey the Lord, you will be, live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Speaking on God's behalf, Moses is showing the Israelites two paths to the promised land. One path leads to life, the other to death. One path involves a choice to obey God and to love God, which also means to love their neighbors, and to seek to do God's will in, in the world in every moment. The other path involves a choice to live for themselves without regard for God and for anybody else. The Israelites face a very real choice here, as do we. We can obey God. We can hold fast to God and, and love God and find life in God. Or we can turn away from God and we can choose death. It is our choice. This is a choice that we make each and every day over and over and over again. It's not just a one choose life or death situation. You know this to be true because you experience it in your everyday life. 
But God does not leave us to make these difficult choices by ourselves. As Kathy said, God gave us a brain. God gave us a heart and a conscience. God gave us the Holy Spirit and and the Holy Scriptures and the ability to interpret these things to help guide us to select the right path day in and day out. God wants to work with us, nudging us along the way if, now this is a big if, we are willing to listen. I love the way that Adam Hamilton describes in his book, Half-Truths, the way that many people experience God's nudges. He likens it to a smartwatch, which I thought was very interesting. Every hour, my watch will tap me on my wrist to remind me to stand up and to walk around for a whole minute. And then afterwards, it, it goes, hooray, you walked around, you stood up. I, it just, it's very nice to have the bar that low. It taps me when I receive text messages and phone calls and emails and many, many other notifications that if I want, it will tell me that I have them. The watch, of course, though, does not force me to do anything. It renudges me and it reminds me and it, it calls me to action, but I don't have to respond. I can see the messages and say, oh, I don't want to deal with that one. Or I don't even have to look at all. It's my choice just like the nudges with God. This past year, there was a a woman at the church that was, she was in the last days of her life. And one Sunday after worship, I had planned to go home for lunch and then to head over to hospice and be with her family. But as I was driving home, I got this nudge, or really it was more of a shove, to turn around and to go see her immediately. And if I hadn't turned the car around right then, then I wouldn't have been there to be with her husband and her family as she took her last breath. I wouldn't have been there to be the presence of God in that moment, not saying anything, not saying, well, God needed another angel, but to just be there to cry and to be present, and to be God's messenger. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but sometimes there's a reason that things happen. And when we're attentive to God and to God's mission, God uses us and God works through us as as we choose to listen and to follow God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, We know that God works all things together for good for, those, for the ones who God loves, for those who are called according to God's purpose. Now this is often where we hear, well, then God causes things. God causes things to happen for a reason. But listen again, we know that God works all things together for good. For the ones who God loves. For those who are called according to God's purpose. Paul doesn't say here that God makes everything happen for a reason. Paul doesn't say that whatever happens is part of God's will and God's plan. But what he does say is that no matter what happened, no matter how bad it might be, 
God will somehow bring good out of the situation for those who love him, for those who are attentive to God and what God is doing. I don't believe that God gives individuals cancer. I don't believe that it is God's will for someone to die in a car crash, even if they are texting while driving. I don't believe that God causes mass shootings. But even in these terrible events, God has a way of forcing good to come from tragedy when we trust God with it. You might remember in the, the, the school shooting in February of 2018 in Parkland, Florida, where 17 victims lost their life, 14 students and three staff members. And in the days and the months following that shooting, the survivors shared their fear and their outrage with the country, calling for stronger regulations on gun control. As yet, nothing has happened to, to, um, in the respect of, of gun reform. But these students, they used this experience to j- show just how thoughtful and intelligent the, the younger generations are. They used this experience to show that they are not going to sit idly by while we argue about things like money and our own personal preferences, but they are going to fight for life. That they are going to participate in the solutions. God didn't cause that shooting, but God used it to show that these young people, they have a voice. And I pray that God will use these horrible tragedies, the horrible tragedies that we saw just within the last 24 hours, to show us a solution to our gun problem. Bishop Palmer of West Ohio put out a a message, and he said, to pray for increased resolve to act to reform public policies that make access to weapons too easy and access to mental health resources too difficult. To pray for that, to use this, this this horrible tragedy as, as a way to bring about a solution. Because we have a brain that God has given us, and we can, with God's power, come up with a solution that everyone will be okay with. I had I had a friend who is not a part of the church. She used to be a part of the church, but she is no longer because through different reasons she, is, she struggles with the church, with the, the infighting, with, with everything that goes on in the church. And she texted me. I got a nudge while I was up here, and she said, these mass shootings, I can't handle it. Help. People are reaching and looking to the church for guidance, for an answer, and to see how we will respond to these things. So church, I wonder how will we respond to these things and to the injustices that are in our world? We know through the message of Jesus Christ, through his rising from the dead, that he has conquered death that death and horrible things will not have the final word, that love outlasts everything, and that God 
the God who has created us and who loves us unbelievably will have the final word. I mentioned at the beginning of my message that one theme that I see throughout all of these fake news phrases is that they're used to try to explain the unexplainable or to control something that we don't understand. These phrases we can see are just not quite right. And I think that is because we try to put them in places where they're not needed, where simple faith is what's needed. It's not about what we do or what we say, but it's about opening ourselves to God and what God can do through us, being attentive to those nudges and then responding to those nudges. As we close out this series on fake news and and as this morning, as we look toward communion, I invite you to pray along with me as I pray John Wesley's covenant prayer. Listen to the words. See how they can apply to your life. See if you are willing to take the challenge that this prayer gives. Lord, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Lord, let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.